0: Good afternoon everyone. I'm so happy to be with you. My name is Dee Yvonne Rivers. I am your host for Birth Moms Real Talk. It's a platform for birth mothers to share their story. And we talk about real hot topics, the real deal that other people are not talking about. We talk about it here. You will hear the stories of birth moms, whatever the scenario is. And there are all kinds of scenarios. The commonality that all of us have is that we are birth moms. And I'd like to also give a definition because I've heard from people listening to the podcast. What is a birth mom? a birth mother is a child is a is a a mother who gave birth who did not raise her child so that's the definition we've got an awesome birth mom here today marcy welcome how are you today I'm just wonderful, and thank you for having me. Oh, good to have you. So I'm going to pretty much turn it over to you. Tell us where you're calling in from. Tell us your story. We'll get more details. I may ask additional questions, but we want you to share your story to the world. So once you wonderful. start by tell us a little bit about growing up and your background and moving us up to the part in which you became that mother. Well,
1: thank you so much again for having me on, and I'm so happy and proud to share my story with all of you. Um, yes, I reside here in Southern Indiana, first of all, uh, along the Ohio River, directly across uh, the river from Louisville, Kentucky. So uh, they call it Kentucky Anna, and oh. I grew up. Oh, here. I never
0: knew that. Really? Yeah. Kentucky Anna is that it's, how you called, say? it?
1: It's Kentucky Anna. Okay. We tease and call the uh, Indiana is the sunny side of Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> that I was born and raised here. However, I did leave home uh, when I was 18 years old to go visit, spend the summer with my sister in Pennsylvania. And that's where my story begins because that's where I meet the birth father at age 18 for the very Mm -hmm. first time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, I come from a broken home where my parents divorced in 1960. I was five years old. So I was... Uniquely, I was raised by my father and then later on a stepmother, and I was only able to see my mother like two weeks in the summer. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine what that was like to yeah. be separated from your mother at a young age, be raised in a broken home in the 60s, when mm-hmm. it really wasn't even cool to get divorced, <laughs> let alone a man have custody of three children.
0: That's true. That was unique. As you say, not, not yes. much of that happened. Any siblings?
1: Yes, I have an older sister, Judy, and um, my brother, Butch, is is the middle, and I'm the baby. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's where my story begins. And like I said, my sister uh, moved to southeastern Pennsylvania. She was married, and I went to visit her for the summer, and I met the birth father, who was truly my first love of my life. Mm. Um, However, we didn't get together until later on, but... Um, I was a pretty angry confused teenager mm. uh, I was lost I was broken I just you know I was just dismantled and I didn't understand I had no direction whatsoever and you know I was just searching for something to fill this hole up because I, I you know I wanted to fill the mother wound mm. because I lost mine.
0: So, so and, that anger, talk more about where that anger and confusion came from, because you were eight, not 18, you said so you went to see your sister, so were you at 18 at that time? I was 18 at that okay. time, Okay. Yes.
1: So the anger, you know, at, at five years old, when you're told your mother's gone and she's not coming back, and mm-hmm. you don't have an explanation, mm-hmm. and society just wants to keep everything quiet. I mean, even the mm-hmm. neighbors were gossiping. It was such mm-hmm. a big deal back then.
0: Can we say secrets, secrets? We say secrets. (laughs) Okay.
1: So at five years old, my belief system started to kick in right then and there. Okay. Um, And my sister became my mommy. She was the replacement Mm -hmm. for my mommy that I I lost. Uh, And sadly, Judy would go on to leave the home in the next three years, and then I lost her. Mm-hmm. So I lost two people very close and very important to me, and I had a, a father who struggled and did the best he could, mm-hmm. but he was in—he had his own issues right, and his right. his own pain. Mm-hmm. And so I—I I was just like I said—I was—I was angry. It was all mm-hmm. misplaced, but I—I couldn't—I just didn't know who I was. I didn't mm-hmm. know what direction I wanted to go into. I was just wanted to fill that whole. now and,
0: t- talk to me marcy about for the losses because just as you said you lost your mom at five then your sister was in your life and then she left so another loss
1: another loss mm-hmm. the
0: loss also of having that that combined family together and i bring that up because it's like when we have a lot of losses, that affects us. Were you able to share your grief for the and trauma of the loss?
1: No, and what I'm glad of- you brought that up because you know I can remember on my rare visit with my mother that she would bring me back to to my home and drop me off,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I would be so sad because she was mm-hmm. leaving me,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I would begin to cry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when that happened, that was not a good thing. I found right. out very quickly. That I couldn't be happy when I came back from visiting mommy.
0: Right, that right. was not a good thing. Right. So
1: I learned to close off,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I couldn't share with my father these these good things. Mm-hmm. And so, and it was it was very very difficult. And yeah, I did. I started to, to shut off and shut down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I had you know back then you didn't, there was no therapy and right right no one just said. Honey, are you hurting? Or, uh-huh. honey, what can I do? And yeah. I, I did have an aunt um, that was I was very close to, that helped me when my mother first left, and she took me in under her wing, and and was the closest thing to a mother that I had. That mm-hmm. was my aunt Helen. But um, as I grew up, you know, I just um, I didn't didn't think that I had any. Issues other than I was missing my mother and that was just Mm -hmm. life and, you know, toughen up and get through it. Now, let
0: me ask you, mm -hmm. were those words said to you, just as you mentioned, no one came to you and say, you know, uh, can they help you or what's going on? Those are those hurts and lifelong traumas that I'll be left with. And so, as you said, you couldn't be happy after coming back from meeting your mom did you, did you, did you, could you show your happiness just in your own little world without talking to other people?
1: Well, <clears throat> I I took a friend, which was a little stuffed animal of mine, and I did okay. a lot of talking to my Jiminy. Cricket. Okay, okay. That was, that was, uh, he was my protector. Yes. And my aunt gave him to me okay. to try to help me find comfort. Uh-huh. And, you know, she would, she used that as, um, this you know, this precious treasure. That's where you can go when you feel scared. Mm-hmm. When you you mm-hmm. know, if Aunt Helen isn't around, if mm-hmm. no you know. So he was my confidant.
0: I had a doll named Nora. <laughs> <It's> Nora. Like, <laughs> Nora. Don't ask me why I named her Nora. I don't even know I knew that name. But it's it is because in our own ways we find that comfort because we don't have anything else. Now it mm-hmm. doesn't make up for the hurt that we're going through but we do what we know to do that's right yeah yeah so continue on
1: okay so I reached the age of 18 and I was raised by a very very strict father Uh, but he did marry a wonderful woman when I was eight years old Mm -hmm. and so I had I did have a a great stepmother I was very blessed to have this okay this wonderful stepmother Mm -hmm. but she too um you know I picked up her habits and her mm. belief system was, you know, don't make your father mad, don't argue with wow. your father, just, you know, conform, and we do things behind his back, and, you know, wow. because she never, he had, daddy had a lot of anger issues, he was okay. a World War two vet, okay. Okay. and his, he had his own trauma, he, he came home at the age of 14, and his father had committed suicide.
0: And he saw that? And he walked into that. Wow. PTSD, PTSD. trauma, all of that.
1: And then you end up at 17 years old being in Iwo Jima. Yeah. That's that's a lot.
0: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And your stepmom, as you said, she's a wonderful stepmom, but she had that trauma of facing and dealing with your father, and that's why her is that why she feel as if she had that passive let's not upset him yes okay yes okay yes okay
1: but she was the one that that guided me well if you're not going to college you know you need to be doing this and she was the Mm -hmm. one that helped me find my first job and sent me down and taught me to type okay and she was my cheerleader that whole time okay and so like i said i was very close to her and and blessed but by the time I reached 18 years old, I wanted out of the house.
0: Right, right. And
1: that's where I ended up. Well, I was, went to my mother's in Indianapolis uh, first and spent some time with her, but I was so mad at her
2: mm. at that point
1: that I just I just couldn't find my way. And I just, she bought me a bus ticket and sent me out to my sister and said, why don't you spend the summer with your sister mm-hmm. and then let's revisit it. Um, because she was trying to give me, at that point at 18, I'll help you get a car. I'll help you get into college. Okay. You know, she had a nice home. She wanted to do all those things, and I just kind of felt like it was too late.
0: Wow.
1: It was, was really difficult. Yeah.
0: During that time, were you able to talk to your mom and ask her why she left?
1: Yes. Um, the Well, not during that time, okay. really. Okay. Uh, I don't find this out, actually. And, of course, it's a little bit of a spoiler alert, but I don't find that out until she comes to live with me in 2018.
0: Oh, wow. Many years.
1: After my step, she marries, and she was married to... They both had great marriages. Okay. uh, Long-lasting marriages, both of them. So I say I grew up with two sets of parents. Okay. Okay. But, um, yeah, it wasn't until Mom came to live with me and that I got the full story
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it all started with a shoebox
0: right My, right right yeah, yeah yeah we can we're gonna get to that shoebox effect <laughs> that's the name of Marcy's book she's gonna talk about that well let's move on you're 18 there you are now you was with your mom during the summer then you were going on a bus to your sister so talk more about leading into when you became pregnant
1: Okay, so, first of all, I I just have to hop through this part. Okay. Um, I was 18 years old, and I was visiting my sister, and my sister's husband, so this would be my brother-in-law, his Mm -hmm. brother was the same age as I was. Okay. So, it was, oh, wouldn't it be cute if Marcy and Bill got together, and it was just, we were not compatible at all. I was just in, I was a hot mess, (laughs) and I was angry, but the next thing I know, I'm pregnant wow
0: at 18 so we got married um okay. and during now, that now time, that was a big jump marcy that we was a met, big jump we met and i became pregnant yep. and whatever yeah. so and we That's got married seven. okay hot mess. yeah <laughs> first you identified yourself as a hot mess so yeah. i guess you really <laughs> must have been a hot mess if you call yourself a hot mess at 18 okay yes. okay all right all right but i
1: meet the love of my life okay while i'm married and okay. I told you, I'd already met him once, uh-huh. him several times.
2: Uh-huh. But we
1: never got together. But because it was the 70s right. and I was pregnant, he married me. Okay. That was acceptable, you know. And okay. then I was accepted back into the family and I could come home. And But the marriage was just, it was, I call it, I don't even really call it a marriage. I just.
0: Now, did the it, family know that he was not the father?
1: No, I wasn't pregnant. The, oh, oh okay. I'm so pregnant. That's okay. A, this was my first child.
0: Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. okay. So I
1: I had a baby. All right. And but I was miserable, like I said, and I was just a mess and mm-hmm. Roger, who is was the love of my life, walks back into my life. Okay. After the birth of my first child.
0: Oh, okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. I know it gets a little sticky.
0: Yeah, let's keep it straight. Yeah. So so you had your first child uh, with that was on... Roger's your love of your life. Let's get to the names. Uh, yes. Roger's a love of your life. So he comes back in your life after he had your first child. Okay, let's take Correct. it from there. Okay.
1: And so this is all taking place in Pennsylvania. And okay. I wanted out of this marriage that, you know, to me it was just a contract to legitimize a birth. That's mm-hmm. that's all it was to me. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, Roger comes into my life. He comes, And he comes in with, a, with just, just this whirlwind... I want you. I, mm. you know, when he was a playboy, and it was. I don't care that mm. you're married. Mm. I just want you.
0: And how long had y'all been apart since you first met him?
1: Uh, three years.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So here it is, three years later. Mm-hmm. So I end up um, leaving my husband and getting a divorce, mm-hmm. and Roger and I become an item, and we just. You know, first love, first true love, first your hot, first, you know, passionate love.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: he said and did everything right. Okay. So when I became pregnant um, at that time, I just assumed, again, the kid that I was, mm-hmm. he'll just marry me. Mm-hmm. But instead, he left me.
0: Wow. I mean, so you did not see that coming?
1: so there i was um, a young woman with um, a toddler and i was pregnant Mm
2: -hmm.
1: now i believed that he would come through and marry me i totally believed that he would come and marry me Mm -hmm. and my sister was just furious and she had warned me to stay away from him and that he wasn't worth anything and and so she was very angry with me um and what happened is when i went to the doctor my physicians was started to gaslight me. Mm. Although I didn't know what that was. Right. And my first appointment was, oh, so you're getting married. <sighs> oh, how
0: does the nurse Go ahead. Did I lose you for a minute, Marcy? Hello. The subtle things... Hey Marcy, Without, I think I think we may have left you lost you for 1 minute and you go back to what the doctor said, so you're getting married.
1: Yeah, he would ask, he you know, the, one of the questions was, mm-hmm. "So when are you getting married, Marcy?" Mm-hmm. Knowing that I wasn't.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: um do you have a, a nursery? What color is the nursery? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, who will be watching the baby when you go to work? Um Have you thought about anything? Back then, daycare was hardly anything. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just questions like that. Every time I would go in, he would say something that just made me go, what am I going to do?
0: Now, let's just let our listeners uh, and our audience know this is back in the 70s. And Marcy, as you're saying, this is a doctor you're going to being treating you for you being pregnant. And he know you're single. That was, now I heard you use the word gaslighting. (laughs) Maybe I got a different name for that. He was just, I I see that as putting down, just putting you down, definitely, for his asking questions that he knows that, not that you don't know the answer, but according to what he's expecting you to be able to answer at that time. That's my own opinion.
1: Yeah, oppressed, yeah. Yes. And so anyway, it it went on and on like that. And up until um, my eighth month, and then Roger did come and visit me. Mm -hmm. And I really thought at that point that we were going to uh, make this work and he just came over just to reiterate
2: Mm. that he did
1: not want to be a father Mm -hmm. and he wasn't any good and that I should just go on without him. And he said, um, the best thing that that you could do is, because I had shared with him about what the doctor had said, And Mm -hmm. he says, the best thing that you could do is, is to, to go ahead and uh, place her for adoption. And it was a small town, very Mm -hmm. small town. And like Mm -hmm. I said, he was the town playboy. So Mm -hmm. everybody knew, you know, there, you know, I was pregnant and it was Roger's baby and it was a really big deal. You know, it was really scandalous back there. Wow. Um, so I, I relented and I got to the point where I, I couldn't see her being raised in that town. Mm-hmm. um I didn't have the resources I was hardly making anything um until when I got pregnant and then I quit work and I was you know living with my my sister asked me to move in with her okay uh the last couple of that you know that last month
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so it was just a very difficult time for me
0: now back she, in that day too in the 70s now was it a close or an option open adoption
1: yes he the the my doctor said that He knew of a couple who were, they were both professionals, and they could give my daughter everything, all the, you know, the the privileges of life, Mm -hmm. and that she would want for nothing, and, um, of course, I wouldn't know anything, Mm -hmm. and she would, you know, oh, she won't even be curious about you. She's going to have such a great life that she won't even think about her mother. Well, maybe she would, but, you know, just the things
0: the things that, that was the, the big lie of the century the big lie the big of lie. the century of the century you know and the thing about it and this everything as I say on this platform I'm not a psychologist but I've got 48 years of being a birth mom and in my opinion they believe what they were saying absolutely <laughs> they believed it, it was all the lie, but again, when you talk about scenarios, passing down from generation to generation, and decades from decades, or whatever, that was what others had done, and it's like, well let me just keep it going, let me just keep it going, and just saying, and being fed the lie, that you had to deny your feelings, because there's no way, you can forget your child, no, there's no way, there's no way, so that, that obviously was tough for you, I speak yes. about that because that's a reality that the birth moms on this, this podcast will share, that reality of there. But how, how was you giving birth and the scenario of when you did and who was there with you?
1: Yes, my sister took me to the hospital when okay. my water broke, okay. and she stayed with me, but she only stayed until the, my pains got pretty bad. She couldn't take it, okay. and she left. Okay. And I didn't know at the time something about her.
2: Mhm.
1: So it never made sense to me. Mm-hmm. So I was alone. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. And it
1: was I was crying for my mother. Right. And now, did it she was know just you really, were pregnant?
0: Did she know? Yes.
1: Okay. Mom knew. Okay. And um, you know, I was just laying there crying for my mother and I was just losing it, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just it was just very very traumatic for me. Mhm. And when I, they put me to sleep right at the end. And then when I woke up, you know, there was no baby and I started asking questions. Right. And they said, oh, your doctor said, it's better for you not to know anything at all. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, um, I, I said, it is it a girl or a boy? And she said, well, it's a girl. Mm-hmm. And I just kept pushing her. And she said, well, I'll see what I can do. So she leaves the room
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they didn't want to bring her in. Mm -hmm. But they did bring her in. Mm -hmm. And I got to see her for a few minutes. And I cried. And I said prayer. Mm -hmm. And then the nurse just came back in. And she didn't even ask me. She just scooped her away from me. right?
2: right. And
1: I became hysterical at that point. And she kept trying to shush me. Mm. And tell me that I was disturbing the other patients. (laughs) Oh, wow. And, And the next thing I know they had me in a wheelchair. It was just like a, just a big nightmare. And uh-huh. I just remember going down the hall and the wheels, you know, I could, you know when it hit a bump and uh-huh. I was just concentrating on that and I could hear her crying and I was going one direction and she was going the other direction uh-huh. until I got into the elevator and I was like, where are they taking me?
2: Uh-huh.
1: And I realized they, they took me off the maternity floor and they put right. me with regular patients because right. they didn't want me.
0: Right. Because you were causing a disturbance because you had, you had, I say, use the word lost or a piece of you who you just gave birth to and and your, your, your feelings and none of that was honored, was on. I mean, that, that was the reality of it. You know, And, and I, I want you to, to share, but I don't want you to give away everything in your book, Marcy, because they, <laughs> no. we want them to buy the book. So I want you to tell <laughs> enough to tease them because it's Ooh. coming up that that shoebox, I keep saying shoebox, 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 mm. and that will be intriguing to all of you to, to buy Marcy's book. But after that, so how long were you in the hospital and when you were able to leave?
1: I think it was at night. Okay. I don't even remember being checked out, to tell you okay. the truth. Okay, okay. Um, but I do, I just do remember being so alone. And this, this unexperienced mm-hmm. aide was trying to comfort me. And he, mm-hmm. he gave me the book, The Prophet. Okay. And um, he was telling me how it there was a poem in there about children. And, and he wanted me to read it. And um, I set it down. I didn't want to read anything at that time. And right. he did the kindest thing. Because mm-hmm. I was hysterical, and the nurse came in, and she said, if I would only quit crying, mm-hmm. she would she would come back with a shot. And she kept saying, telling him to make me be quiet. Mm-hmm. So he took me in his arms just mm-hmm. and just held me. Wow. And he just said, it's, it's okay, I'm here. Wow. You know, you can cry. Wow. And so, you know, I didn't have my mother, I didn't have my sister, and I didn't mm-hmm. have my Roger, and I didn't have anybody. Right. So I just leaned into that.
0: Yeah. You know... I shouldn't say ironically, but I've had heard at least two or three other stories of moms talking about how someone in the hospital, be it a nurse or social worker or something, simply held them and how much healing and soothing that was. So there Mm -hmm. are some, I, I, I use the word, people who see the pain that you were in. And he obviously saw that he gave you a book to read, but at the same time, you needed exactly what he gave to you a hug. It sounds very simplistic. And I say again to our listeners, because we also talk about what we have gone through, but as well as how we're healing and growing. And I speak for myself, sometimes a hug or just a phone call of saying, I'm thinking about you. I love you. That means that's worth. That's priceless. That's priceless. And that's mm-hmm. the path of really getting day by day of really being able to deal with our feelings and to heal our feelings. So that was great that you got that.
1: And then the next morning I woke up and there was a a, a rose laying on my tray. Mm. So I just automatically assumed that was also from Gabe because right. he was the only friendly uh, you know, person there, mm-hmm. and I didn't ask any questions, and I took, you know, when I got discharged, and I took the rose in the book, and uh, and I went back to my sister's,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then um, you you find out what happened with the rose, right, in thirty years, right. Um, but I go to my sister's, and it was Thanksgiving week, and I'm home, and we're sitting at the table having dinner, and. I'm not talking and everybody's talking about making plans for Thanksgiving and Mm -hmm. my sister who she's gonna invite and and the the meal and and then my little niece laughed and everybody laughed and I laughed. Mm. And I remember I took my hands, I dropped my fork and I took my hands and I covered my mouth like oh my God. Wow. I just dishonored my child. And I left the room and I ran upstairs crying and and threw myself on the bed thinking, how Uh am I going to get up
2: Uh
1: and live with myself? How am I going to be able to sit down with Michelle Uh and read her, her favorite story? Uh How can I make her, you know, her oatmeal in the morning knowing
0: that I gave her sister away? Because, thank you for sharing that, because that's painful, as well as to remind the listeners, you already had a child that you're raising. Yes. So it's not as if you didn't have to, I say, stay on top or deal with the day-to-day. I like the fact that you made it reality. How am I going to make Michelle her oatmeal? How am I going to share with her or read to her? That's the reality of things. And so many times, Marcy, I think people, I don't say get caught up, but we've got to look at everything around us. It's not in this our own aisle, and I've got to deal with this situation, then I can shift to something else. It's all happening at one time. Yes. It's all happening. that's a lot. That's a yeah. lot. So how did you day by day? From that day, you came home from the hospital without Michelle's sister.
1: Well, this is what I did. I knew Michelle was coming home the next day, <clears throat> and I had to be ready for her. Mm-hmm. So, I, in my own little mind, I was just like, I've got this pain. I've got all this loss. I need to do something with it, but I don't know where to put it. Mm-hmm. And nobody was showing me, and no one was helping me. Right. And nobody wanted to talk about you know, the elephant in the room, mm, you know. Yeah. And we're all being normal. And right. I was like, you know, there's like an alligator eating the dining room table <sighs> chair, and you guys are still talking about, you know, what kind of pies to make and who uh-huh. to... I'm like, am I crazy or what?
0: No, you're the only sane <laughs> one there. That's the problem.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so in that moment, I thought, well, uh, I, I just went to my... Um, I, I like to write. I like to journal. Okay. And I I got that from my mother. And I had been journaling up to this point. So I got a paper and pencil out. And I just wrote my feelings out. Yeah. And I ended up writing this poem to my daughter. Okay. Called November Rain. Wow. And I um, got that together and I thought, well, how can I house it? So I got in my closet. I dumped my tennis shoes out. I found the shoebox. I put the book The Prophet Uh inside of it. Uh The poem. Mm-hmm. And the flower. Wow. I tied it up with a yellow ribbon. hmm oh, oh, I left one thing out. I also got into my suitcase. Okay. And took out my maternity top. mm And I cut it. I took it to my face, and I inhaled just the scent of it. Right. And then I trimmed out a little piece of uh-huh. the gown,
2: uh-huh. put it
1: in the, there, wrapped it all up, threw it in my closet, and threw all these sweaters on top of it. Like,
0: okay. Like, <sighs>
1: And then I, I looked back, admiring
0: my way to self-heal. Yeah.
1: And, like, I contained the demon.
0: Yeah, yeah. I did it. It's like you captured that presence to really uh, lock it up, the demon, yep. and, and yep. tossed it in the back of the closet and threw things over it. Because if you covered it up, then you wouldn't think about it. Is that what you were feeling? Yes. Okay.
1: That I, I,
0: I, I remember saying to myself, okay, if you're always going to
1: feel like this, if you're always going to hurt, mm-hmm. then you have to learn to master the hurt. You can't mm-hmm. let it control mm-hmm. you. You've mm-hmm. got to be, mm-hmm. you've got to control it.
0: Manage it. Manage it. Yeah, manage it yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's when I, I did that. And it, it seemed, it was just something physical okay. and outward, and but simple, right. yet
0: complicated. Right, right. Just when you said that you journal, journaling is healing. And I encourage any of the moms out there, adoptees, whomever, to journal, even if you don't show it to someone or put it in a letter Burn it, I have a ceremony with a candle or whatever. Just as Marcy, you talked about in putting that and putting it in a shoebox. That was symbolic Symbolic to me as, a, as you were sharing that you're used to capturing the demons in that box. So you put it away with you sharing the poem and writing the poem in the journal. Because when we pour those feelings out of us it can no longer have control of you at that particular time and you manage as you say manage it or else it will manage you that's a guarantee
1: absolutely it
0: will manage you so you're, you're home and this is Thanksgiving so you did that with the shoebox so moving forward in life like, how did your life transpire? and Because and, that was when you were, at, was it still 18 or what time, what age were you at sure, then? Yeah,
1: that was 21.
0: 21, okay. So moving on from 21 to now, what have you been doing? How have you tied that in? How, how have you, I shouldn't say dealt with Michelle, but raised Michelle and so mm-hmm. forth as your daughter? Or any other children thereafter?
1: No children thereafter.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Um, But... You know, the one thing that I did do is I, again, I was a compliant birth mother. Okay. Don't think about it. Mm
2: -hmm. Don't
1: talk about it. Mm -hmm. Pretend it never happened. Boom. I learned how to master the game of denial. Mm. Was really good at it, too. Mm. Wow. And so my life moved forward, and I, this pain was driving me. Mm-hmm. and it drove me into a very successful career. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a stockbroker for 15 years,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then I went on to become a vice president of a bank for mm-hmm. another 17 years. Mm-hmm. So I had the, and I'm married, I was in a marriage for 17 years at that point, point. Mm-hmm. and you know, this is, it's what, 2007. I'm kinda going fast forward.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the world saw this strong,
2: mm-hmm.
1: aggressive, Woman, like I was mm-hmm. living the dream. I had my dream home, my dream car. I was in a successful marriage. I even had a golden retriever. I mean, okay. on the outside, on <laughs> I mean, the
0: on the outside,
1: the I, white the I white was,
0: picket fence and the house. I had it all. Okay. I had it okay. all. Okay. Okay.
1: But every night, mm. I would come home
0: mm-hmm.
1: when I when all of my reports were finished mm-hmm. and I wasn't dealing with any of my my clients,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I walked into the door. Mm -hmm. There was someone else that was meeting there, meeting me there, outside of the furry face of my golden retriever. Right. And her name was Shame.
0: Hmm. Did you see it as that? Did you see that name? I saw it as that. I saw it as that. Okay. I saw
1: myself as, I called myself the consummate actress.
0: Okay. (laughs) What if they knew? Uh Uh-huh. Would you love me if you knew who I really was? Yeah. Would you love me if you knew what I had done? Would you love me if you know what I've been through? Were those some of the questions
1: Of course Mm-hmm.
0: hmm so how how did you address shame when you when they met you at the door?
1: I would go in the other room and mm-hmm. i would food was a was a huge source of comfort for me okay okay and again i I pushed myself into Success. So wherever I could, you know, I was always a personal development junkie. I could read those books inside and out. <laughs> okay. And anything I could do to, I was just hiding behind that, what I called that shield of success. Mm-hmm. That that was what was keeping me together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, but as anything goes, um, on the inside, I was a broken mess.
2: Right.
1: And right. I didn't learn, Yvonne, I didn't learn until much later. Mm-hmm. We can be successful
2: mm-hmm.
1: and broken. Mm-hmm. Those two can live mm-hmm. in duality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I was measuring myself like, if I've acquired all of this right. success and yeah. these
0: things, there can't be anything wrong with me. Right. 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 Yeah. Because that was a picture. Was that the picture that was painted to you in Absolutely. society? That Absolutely. if you've achieved all of this, as you just said, that the, the golden retriever, the house, the husband, and whatever is that? What else do you need? Yeah, yeah. But what 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 was the changing point for you?
1: Well, the the changing point came when my marriage was actually starting to to crumble. My I was married to an alcoholic, mm. and he was a functioning alcoholic, and it, it was the marriage was good in so many ways, but when he drank and it wasn't every day, it was just, it became too much. And then my success threatened him Mm. uh, and that escalated. And so we started drifting apart. And as we drifted apart, I just started to think about the past.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And um, what ends up happening is we, you know, I, we, we separate. And I buy my own house and get settled in. But I wouldn't sign the divorce papers because, again, remember, I'm the queen of denial. And mm-hmm. I, I, by signing them, I was admitting that my marriage had failed.
0: So was it, was it the thing of presenting the picture of perfection, even knowing that behind the scenes it was not perfect? Yes. Okay, okay. So that, that was, that it, was, it was just, what fed you. It was you. bubbling up. It was okay. just bu- all
1: bubbling up, okay. and I couldn't live with myself. Okay. And then Dreyfus, um, my golden retriever, mm-hmm. was, um, had a tumor on his, on his leg, mm-hmm. and I was supposed to put him down, but I, I couldn't find the strength to do that. I was putting that off.
2: Mm-hmm. I was putting
1: off signing the divorce papers. Mm-hmm. I was putting off all these things because I was in denial about them. I just, just you know, it just couldn't be happening to me.
0: So did you feel as if, if you, if, if you didn't do none of that, everything would just go on and be okay. But if you did one thing, then it was just like a big waterfall and everything would just blast you out at one time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay.
1: But, but as it, as it was, my sister, um, my older sister, Judy, she came to live with me when I bought my new house and, and, and Tim and I were separated and she was going back to Pennsylvania to visit her, my niece,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where Roger lived.
0: And that's sort comes of- Roger again. And so she's, <laughs>
1: you know, she's, as she's talking about this, you know, I'm starting to think about how it was and you know, that trauma and I just really didn't want to go there. I was really thinking more about him and our loss, but okay. I was just, because I just really didn't want to open that door. Right. Well, I came home from work one evening and couldn't find Dreyfus, mm-hmm. and I immediate, could immediately, oh my God, he's hes just died, and I tore the house apart, and I couldn't find him, and one room in the house he wasn't allowed to go into was my bedroom, and he'd been trained for that since, you know, we, we bought him, so I found him in my walk-in closet.
2: Mm.
1: He had marked, you know, pushed all my shoeboxes were all in disarray, I mean, it looked like a the scene of black friday Wow! i mean but shoe boxes everywhere and he was all the way in the back of my closet and i sat down on the floor and i put him in i held him in in my lap and when i looked up there was that shoe box
2: wow. laying
1: on its side standing out with that yellow ribbon aged old yellow ribbon
0: so and how long how moment, long had that been how long had that been uh 30 years 30 <clears throat> years wow okay
1: so I'm having this moment in my closet, where the air's just being sucked out of the mm. closet, and I'm holding my dog, and I'm bawling my eyes out because I knew right then and there mm-hmm. that my life, my former life, it was it was it was done. I could yeah. see it like in yeah. replay. Right, right. And and then I was going in a different different direction, mm-hmm. but I. I couldn't name it Uh because it hadn't happened, but Uh yet it had, I know that's really hard to explain. And I looked at him and I knew that I had to put him down Mm. and I knew that he, and and this is how I interpreted it, that my dog, my best friend, Mm. who brought me so many years of joy, was setting me on the track
2: Mm.
1: to go back and deal with my pain and my trauma, and to find my daughter, and to find the answers. And in my mind, the only way to find her was to find him.
0: Mm-hmm. He was leading you, as you say, yeah. not, not just to the past, but leading you to your future. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's through the process of what he was going through of facing death himself. That had to be very, very hard, Marcy. How did you get through that when you first saw him? The box came out. 30 years probably flashed through your mind. Yes, yes.
1: And I, I remember, because the trauma, I mean, it, it all came back. And I was holding, because I could still hear her crying. Mm. And I was rocking on the, in that closet, just holding my ears. You know, Dear God make it stop. Mm. It wouldn't stop. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I knew mm. that it wouldn't stop. Right, right. And And, and I, could, I could never be whole until I, I found her. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard people describe the fact that when we deny and when we stuff things, we, we're stuffing them, but it's going to come out sometime, somewhere, and we don't know when, but That's something right. will get it out Whatever that may be, we don't know what that is, but something will get it out. And just as you said, back to it is that we need to be able to manage it or otherwise it will overwhelm us completely. And,
1: and it wasn't until I got into therapy, actually, right. that I realized that that wound had really, it had just bled over uh-huh. into my my professional life mm-hmm. it bled over into my it was all over everything mm-hmm. but I I was hiding mm-hmm. and but once I no longer had that shield I was standing right. behind that shield I was
0: I was naked I was vulnerable right. Right. I right. I didn't have anything to do but to face it
2: yeah
0: it was that open wound that you had closed up by the persona yeah. that you had yes. Mm-hmm. And and then when it starts coming out, it started. I, I, I'm just just saying and trying to repeat for an understanding. It started to bleed that nothing could cover the bleeding. Nothing nothing could cover the bleeding and 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 listeners i want you to pay pay attention to you know how marcy is describing it and I, I i concur with all of what you say we all have different scenarios that we go through different scenarios and periods of times of what were prompted back but part of living our best life is I, sometimes it oozes out at a time. You, like you described shame, you were meeting at the door. It could be other different things for other people. And that's for you, or, or birth moms out there, adoptees, adopted moms. We've got to face our issues. We've got to, because that's the only way we can get through is to go through. But go through at your, I like to say, at your own calling, so you can have some management regarding and that. Yes,
1: and that's really important. And, and listeners, you know, I just echo all of that because you don't want to wait mm-hmm. until the universe taps you on the mm-hmm. shoulder
0: because mm-hmm.
1: you don't know what time that's going right. to be in your life.
0: Right, right.
1: And I wasn't prepared and I just, you know, I just totally fell apart. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. we take that first step to look at our past and be brave yep. enough to go there yep. and do the work
0: mm-hmm.
1: and set in our discomfort. hmm Say that again. Those,
0: say that again. Sit in our discomfort. discomfort. Yes.
1: I want you to, you know, that's what I say. There's magic in that mess. You've got to mm-hmm. go
0: there. Mm-hmm.
1: You've got to sit there mm-hmm. and and embrace that discomfort mm-hmm. and let the tears come.
0: That's if, you're, it.
1: If, you're, if, you're, if you're afraid to do it by yourself, right. do it with a trusted loved one. Absolutely. Do it with a the therapist. Yes. Yes. Do it.
0: Yes, yes. You know, and I think I've mentioned this for on the podcast or maybe on the live Facebook that I've gotten so many emails or comments about the fact that adopt from adoptees and birth moms too, is of the adoptees finding their their birth moms and they not wanting to meet them. Or the opposite. You have the birth moms who are not ready to deal with that when their child comes up. And just before we came on. To record Marcy. Someone I was on the phone. And someone had talked about. That they had found their birth parents. And didn't understand. And I said I don't know your parents. that uh, Your birth mom. But I would think that. That it was built so deep. They're not ready to open that wound. Dig in there. To go through it. To have You're the best of the rest of your life. What you just described. Because only then do you have true healing. Oh, you can paint the facade. You can have the persona. Oh, I got this guy. Oh, I got this. Yeah, you got it all right. (laughs) But do you really? Do you really? Are you just, and I use the word perpetrating, but it's not like they're they're trying to, to get over on someone. It's just like they're that persona that they're really not. They're really not. And only when you dig deep, as you say, and you've done, but do it. Don't try to do it alone. Don't try to do it alone. A big part of this, this podcast that was created was to offer a platform because sh- sharing your story is healing. Sharing your story is healing. You know, support groups, you know, we have the Birth Moms Hill Talk Village, we've got a Zoom tomorrow night. So when you share and connect and doing with other people who can understand, love you, and hug you, give you that hug like you got in the hospital, that's awesome. And I want to
1: tell you something, and, and I, I, I learned this and I talk about this every chance I get. I think it's really important to take a big, deep breath Mm-hmm. And when you are brave enough to share your story mm-hmm. and make that connection mm-hmm. or listen to someone else's story right okay? what happens is as you do that, you are no longer the story. Mm. You are the storyteller. Yeah
0: And yeah. you re-
1: and you visit your trauma and you see it through a different lens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that's where you can discover meaning in all of it. Yes. Not try to logic what right. happened to you.
0: Right. Right.
1: But you find meaning in that loss. Mm-hmm.
0: That's, that's it. That's what saved me. Good. 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 Because you number one. You recognize it was a loss. You you, you rec- when you recognize is what it, it, it was. It was a loss. You don't have to perpetrate and act like and and just put on that that fake smile. As I heard you say that you were coming back for Thanksgiving, and uh, you described for us, they're planning meals and whatever else, and you dealing with you've lost your child. Come on, you know, let's talk mm-hmm. about the real stuff. The real so when stuff.
1: I, yeah, and I end up eventually, uh, obviously, I find the birth father, and mm-hmm. but we and I find my daughter, and we, if I'm going too far ahead, stop me. Mm-hmm. But And we enter a reunion, and our story is goes to the media Mm -hmm. and then I learned another lesson Mm -hmm. because in the media um, I was once again oppressed for going Mm -hmm. public as Mm an officer of the bank Mm -hmm. how dare I I got pulled into the HR office how could you do this how could you let your personal story go on the front page of the Louisville Courier (sighs) Journal how could you be on the radio how could you do all these things Wow! and then you know what happened what? They started coming into my office. I would have a client say, Marcy story. Marcy, I never knew this about you. Uh-huh. And thank you for for coming out because yep. I lost my baby and blah blah blah. Uh-huh. And they tell me their story. Yes. <laughs> and then I had an investment client come in crying and I said, Oh my God, you know, what's what's wrong? What, what's uh-huh. happened? She goes, You you are what's happened. She said <laughs> I'm 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 a birth mom too, mm-hmm. and I I'm going to be fifty. And she was diagnosed with cancer, wow. and she was going to die. And she said, "Will you help me find my daughter before I die?"
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, yeah. meaning absolutely. Uh, you're listening to Birth Moms Real Talk. We started six months ago. I I can't, as I say, that we're close to ten thousand downloads. Two hundred thousand people have listened in. They are seeing that, okay, moms are talking, they're sharing. And when they listen to the different stories, a lot of times, that's me, that's me. I've even had uh, adoptees bring their birth moms on. I've got someone now, her grandmother, had listened to the podcast. Her grandmother, her grandmother, who's like over 80 years old, has never shared outside of the family. Or even talked about it. Like, wouldn't even talk about it. Now she talking. Now she's talking. Yeah. This is healing. This, is, this healing. is healing. It is healing. It's a way to grow to heal and to manage it. And it's like, it's, as Marcy said, we don't have to do it alone. Even though back in the clothes adoption or the baby scoop or whatever you want to call it. Because we were told that. Now, you call yourself a compliant birth mom. I was not compliant at all. I was not, <laughs> I was not complaining at all. Just like if those of you who have listened to my story that, you know, my family did, did not give support and and didn't come to see me. I was there all alone. I come back in the house. No one asked me that I have a boy or a girl. I just announced I have a son. <laughs> they, they whether they want to hear it or not, I, I'm going to talk. You don't have to listen to it, but I'm going to talk. Yeah, absolutely. So go ahead, Marcy.
1: So, um, again, I don't know how much you want me to share, but I'll I'll leave out some of the juicy stuff. But, uh, you know, eventually, again, I do find Roger, and we go on this, just like it was 30 years ago, this romance. And four months later, he becomes my husband.
0: Okay. And two months <laughs> That's later. That's a happy part. Okay. Yeah,
1: we got a happy part. Yeah. People. There's yeah, happy parts here. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He becomes my husband, and two months later, we find our daughter on Father's Day. Wow. By a stranger in Arizona mm. that read something that I wrote, and she okay. connected us.
0: Wow. And
1: um, I just I do have to share that first meeting with you because yeah, I'm a strong woman, uh-huh. even though I've experienced a lot of loss, and all I knew is that I had him and I had her and love was enough and we were the family that should have been
2: mm-hmm.
1: and there wasn't anything that we were unstoppable because she comes to live with us okay um, but I found that adoption robbed me of so many things and when I heard my daughter's story my doctor actually sold her to a couple he went to college with. <gasps> oh my who goodness. Never should have been parents. Wow. And my daughter, uh, they divorced when she was three. Hmm. And everything happened to her.
0: Goodness. I'm and sorry to hear there that. There was no
1: life of privilege. There was no excess and abundance of... Resources. There was mm-hmm. no Girl Scouts and sleepovers and summer camp and band right. practice. Right. It was It was a hard life and child abuse and um, welfare. And she replayed her trauma out mm-hmm. five times by giving birth to five different children by five different fathers. Wow. Drugs, wow. alcohol, it, it goes on.
0: How is she But now? I was going to
1: save her. Yeah, I was going to
0: save her. How is she now?
1: She just survives. It's, okay. um, it's okay. really sad. She tried to get her her medical records because she was having seizures. And you see, I had seizures as a child, and I put that in the file, but they pulled it out. Hmm. I talked to the step, they, her adoptive mom, and they never got the medical records. Wow. and she had a seizure at 22 and had a stroke. Wow. wow.
0: So those yeah, secrets really are, are across the board. They are across the board, not only in just saying to be quiet and whatever and don't talk Um, records and everything else. And for the adoptee to truly know where they come from and not necessarily the names of the mom and dad. But what's in there with with legacy and heritage and, you know, are they good at this and whatever? Because nature versus nurture, you know, I'm always talking about that nature, nurture, nature, nurture. It Mm -hmm. all goes together and we need all of it. We need all of it, and yeah, there's some more stuff coming, so just to encourage you say that, uh, um introduce the people to your book and how they can find your book, Marcy, and then we yes, can go into uh, the hot topic
1: the The book is called the Shoebox Effect: Transforming Pain into fortitude and purpose uh, you can find it really in any bookstore um, and it's I, I do sell it uh, on Amazon mm-hmm. and yeah you can get it you can get it
0: anywhere so. it's a good read so i encourage all of you to go out and get the book and as you well know we also cover a hot topic and we didn't discuss what we want to talk about marcy but what's a topic you know and it's so many that we really want to sort of bring to the surface more so than what we may have covered here in the podcast what's a topic you would like to to talk about
1: um Well, I'd like to to share about what I did with um, my work in the adoption community and how that's how I found meaning in my loss.
0: Okay. Can you share on how that relate to how other people can do that to be helpful?
1: Yes. Yes. Um, Okay. uh, Let me walk you through that because what happens is we all crashed, my, my family crashes and burns, and I go to a very, very dark place. Mm. And this fairy tale romance and this fairy tale story went south um, pretty quickly. And in my darkest moment with the separation, my, my daughter ends up, she leaves, and I realize that I can't fix her. Mm-hmm. My sister Judy dies. Mm -hmm. And I started to spiral. And what happens is during that dark place, it took me back to revisit that five-year-old childhood wound, Mm -hmm. the mother loss, Mm -hmm. my own. Mm -hmm. And it forced me at that point to do my own inner work and to find out that, that's why I was saying, we've got to go to that dark place. Mm -hmm. We've got to sit in that discomfort. We've got Mm -hmm. to no longer stay the victim, and we've got to be the survivor, and we need to get to to the place where grief and joy can live in duality, Mm -hmm. and that we are more than our stories. Um, But it takes just that one first step Mm -hmm. to get there, and that's where I went. I mean, it was just... It was just very difficult because I didn't think I could have any more loss. And then when Judy died, right. of course, I uncover more secrets. And then we'll leave that for another day.
0: Right, right. But
1: my family, the 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 loss there was just too much. But I found a way out,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it was taking that first step. You know, whether it's you know opening that journal that you wrote years ago, mm-hmm. whether it's writing a loss a a, a letter to um, the father of your child that that broke your heart or abandoned you. Mm -hmm. Whether it's to writing um, that letter of forgiveness, uh, which I I did use use some examples in my book as well, Well, whatever action.
0: Yeah, and you're talking about your path or your journey to -hmm. basically healing. And we all have different paths, but it does start with you facing whatever it is. I, I say this as a general statement. I say, do your work. Do your work. Do you, combination of therapy. Combination of journaling. Combination just chatting. I tell people, every time I record a podcast, that's therapy for me. Because I'm hearing from a birth, another mom who's sharing her story. I've got my own story. We all have our own story. But we're learning also what processes that people have been through. Whether it's writing that letter to someone to send or not send that forgiveness call out what faces you each day you mentioned for as you come home to shame every day what what are the what are the demons what are the things who are they are they're talking to you and I'll say in a minute close your ears or just put up your hand i'm not talking to you today <laughs> i'm just mm-hmm. not going to deal with you today grief wounds trauma and whatever but the first step is to recognize what it is yeah
1: it's it's recognition it's awareness yes, self awareness yes, yes. and
0: name it Exactly. Man. You can't Give deal it with it if you, you can't call it by name. You got you to be able to call it by name, what it is. Because like you, Marcia, I've been in for sales and marketing over 30 years and I can't solve a problem unless I know what the problem is. Yes. No one can solve a problem unless you know what the problem is. So, any last any, thoughts this has been awesome marcy Been awesome i'm glad for you sharing your story not only for what has transpired the different symbolism and what you've been doing these number of years 30 years you know me it's 45 now no, let me take it back 48 Woo! time flies whoo <laughs> yes yeah, so it's like whatever period of time it's been and mine is closed as well as yours but those of you who are out there for open adoption same scenario you may be seeing your child but are you truly dealing with the feelings that you're having even seeing your children Mm -hmm. because those are other scenarios our latest episode now this is uh january of 2022 is uh season two and talking about i didn't know so your show oh awesome all the episodes are are wonderful because you're hearing all the moms tell their true story so any last minute thoughts before we close today marcy the only thing that i
1: could say is like i said before is You know self-awareness and making that first move uh, is a step in the right direction that all moms we're all here for all of you Mm -hmm. and it just takes a phone call it just takes extending a hand
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, we're all here to help and we're all in this together
0: absolutely we're stronger together we're stronger together yes 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 My name is D. Yvonne Vivers. You've been listening to Marcy on Birth Moms Real Talk, the platform that offers to birth moms to share their story, their journey, their hurt, their pain, their trauma, their wounds, and to share how you can heal and grow. Tune in to our Saturday platform, follow us on social media, listen to our episodes. We've got now told of 19 episodes in the past six months, so tune in, share, like, give us a great review on Apple. Adoptees, whoever's listening, let us know what you think. Join us in supporting Birth Moms Real Talk, because that's how we're able to bring you these podcasts. So it's life-changing. It's life-changing, and we're here we're here together and we're stronger together. You've been listening to D. Yvonne Rivers. See you next time.